This game was doomed from the start. <laughs> Let's talk about it all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Be sure to check out the Tigers home radio broadcast on the Sirius XM app. Just search Detroit Tigers, and next thing you know, anytime, anywhere, you will be listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast. And we have a pretty darn good radio booth, so be sure to check it out. Um, hope everyone had a fantastic Monday. Uh, the Tigers, unfortunately, did not. Losing the series opener to the New York Yankees at home by a score of 4-1. to one, Again, at the hands of the Bronx Bombers. Um, definitely not the Bombers this year. They improve after this win to 63-68. and 68. This was a really this was a rough game. And like in the history of the Tigers, it won't be looked at as, you know, nearly as rough as the, the game that preceded it, right? Like no one's gonna really care about this game long term. It was a four to one final against a bad Yankees team. Um and and the day before they had lost by almost two touchdowns. So that's gonna be the more highlighted, like big loss on the season when it's all said and done. Uh, but th- this was not good. This was uh, on a pure frustration level. This is one of the more frustrating losses of the year. Again, not because of like the fact that we just lost in a in a vacuum, right? We're past the point where like losses really are, are going to hurt you. We're in the last month of the season. We're what thirteen games under five hundred. Like we're obviously not making a run. Um, but th- this was just a a bad Yankees team with a pitcher that had an ERA of like seven three going into the outing, and. He just absolutely diced you. Seven innings of shutout ball with eight strikeouts for 2023 Luis Severino. This is only his third outing of the season in which he has pit, he, where he has not allowed a run, no matter the length of the outing. This is only his third outing of the entire season in which he hasn't allowed a run. That's not good. For the Tigers, or for Luis Severino, I guess. He's obviously had a rough year. But the one thing about this team that has maintained over the last several seasons, and is still true this year, unfortunately, is they are, I'm not going to say the whole roster, but they are composed of a lot of players who cannot hit high-velocity pitchers. I hope I articulated that well. It's not everybody. Some players can turn on fastballs still. But I would say, I don't want to even use like majority or most. Uh, Again, it's just there is quite a few players on this roster that really struggle against velocity. Matt Veerling is one of them. And not that, you know, Luis Severino was going out there and pumping a hundo, but like he was hitting 97, 98 up in the zone late in the outing. Matt Veerling does not do well against high velocity. Miguel Cabrera, he can he's not going to strike out necessarily every time, but like he's not doing too much damage again. I mean, he did strike out on a high fastball in this game, I guess. 
Um, these days, he's not doing well uh, against that. He was in your starting lineup. Um, like there's, there's Javi Baez. We talk about it all the time. Literally cannot hit a fastball anymore. Like that's that, like he was in your lineup. Like there is a large chunk. Like all he really needed to do was just establish a fastball over 95 miles an hour. And he did that. And it led to this. And we'll get to the, you know, the team still can't hit with runners at scoring position. And, and some of the players are still just getting fooled by the same thing over and over and over again. And it's very frustrating. I'm sure it is for them too. Um, and and we'll get on to, into all the intricacies of it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, <laughs> we'll get into the complicated part of it, but it's also simple sometimes. And, and this, this was just so predictable. That's really the, the the thing that also frustrated me was like, this was a bad, uh, I don't want to call him a bad pitcher. Like he, he's proven that he can be a good pitcher at the major league level. A pitcher that has struggled mightily this year, an ERA literally of over seven. One of the worst every fifth day starters in baseball this season from a numbers and product productivity standpoint. Okay. So there's... Check one on, on the bullet point list of ways to beat the Tigers. Throw out someone with an ERA over seven. Be in the American League East, just period. And play them at home. Play in Comerica Park. All three of those things happened in this ballgame. They are awful at home. They have been all year. They're now 10 games under 500 at home. That's dreadful. That's embarrassing. And no good team ever has not established a winning culture at home. You play 81 games there. You, you you have to win at home. And this team doesn't. They have consistently, all season, gotten absolutely sliced and diced like a Thanksgiving turkey against pitchers with ERAs over six and a half, seven. And they have a dreadful season record against every single team in the American League East. All of them. They are They have been abysmal. So it's one of those things where like, yeah, like you're only a few games back from the Yankees. They're having a terrible season. Most of their players, it seems like have honestly like thrown in the towel. I don't like questioning professional athletes work ethic. I don't know, obviously any of these guys personally, I'm sure they're still trying, but as far as like big picture, the fan base is not like, oh, the Yankees are going to go, you know, make the playoffs at this point. This season is over for the Yankees and they had their worst pitcher going in 2023. And it wasn't even close. They 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 looked like the better team, even though we'll get to Reese Olsen, got off to a good start, but they looked like the better team for all nine innings. At no point did I think the Tigers were <laughs> the best team on the field in this game. Um, let's talk about the pitching. Okay, Reese Olsen started this ball game. He's probably the biggest takeaway from this game, as if you're looking at positive takeaways, I guess. Uh, he his final line though, it, it was just it was a weird outing. It was a weird outing. So he he only goes four and a third with three hits, one earned run against, four walks, but has a career high in strikeouts with ten. He only went four and a third. He had ten Ks through four innings, and then only faced a few more batters. Honestly, like this was a weird situation. I I thought he was done after four. I don't think I would have sent him out there. For, for even the fifth inning, he had 90, 95 pitches at that point. The slider had clearly let up a little bit. 
Um, I understand that just kind of out of principle and also like they had, he had a shutout going and you need innings. So uh, I don't think it was like an awful managerial decision, but like, I didn't, I think he had lost his best stuff by then. He's almost had a hundred pitches through four. And like this outing for me, for Reese Olsen is it, there, there's a lot that you can take from it. In, in a good and not, I don't want to say bad, but like in, in a positive and, and maybe a little bit more sour light as well. Okay. And, and I want to talk about both those things. Cause this, this start did move me. Like it was, it, it was solid. I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer. 10 K's in four innings is very impressive. The kid has filthy swing and miss stuff. Um, but I, I do want to talk about kind of where I stand with him long-term after this outing. Cause I, I have a, a, a proclamation to make after this one. So um, we'll get to that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at game time. Not game time. I just lied. Our friends over at sleeper. Press the wrong button. You know what? Who should we pick today? Who should be, who should get the sleeper ad? Um, Do you think that Carson Kelly can hit a home run tonight? Well, if you do, you should head over to Sleeper and swing for the fences with up to a 100 times payout. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less in their stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits. And if you get your picks right, you can win big. Uh, I've been using Sleeper for a very long time. I have Sleeper drafts coming up uh, literally this week. I'm super excited about them. And now they're in the daily fantasy game as well. They are one of the most used apps in the country. They're the most used sports sports app in the country. Be sure to check them out. Use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game two against the New York Yankees. Uh, be sure to check out the Tigers home radio broadcast in that ball game. Just search Detroit Tigers on the SiriusXM app, and you'll be listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast anytime, anywhere from the app. Um, so, Reese Olsen, I, I was probably being a little too dramatic before the break there, but that's how, you know, got to do my job. That's how, that's how I keep you hooked, all right? Um, all, I'm, all I really want to say with this is, like, this really proves he has objectively swing and miss and strikeout stuff at the major league level. And with that, I think that this raises his floor quite a bit. And m- what I mean by that is I don't think – when I am projecting a player, I don't think in terms of like, I think player comps are super dumb. I think that pinpointing one player to another player is ridiculous. Like they're there. When you think of the history of baseball, you don't think, Oh, like this guy, he's just like this guy. Like we don't do it for the past. Why would we do it for the future? I, I just, I I've never understood it. I think it's a really outdated and just like not good way to like scout and evaluate players. Um, and, and so I think in, and I don't try to think of like exact lines either. Like, Oh, he's, this guy's going to be a three ERA exactly type of pitcher. Like I, I think in terms of ceilings and floors, and if you're familiar with the lockdown Red Wings show that I co-host with Brian, we love ceilings and floors over there. Right? So with Reese Olson, this outing did not change the ceiling for me really at all. 
Okay. There are a lot of pitchers that can, I mean, he gave up seven base runners in four and a third. Like this wasn't like some master class. He, he was just like the most dominant pitcher ever. Like again, he had almost a hundred pitches through four innings. There's a lot of pitchers that could very inefficiently get a high strikeout total. That being said, this was a swing and miss clinic. He was just constantly getting whiffs. The slider looked absolutely nasty today. And the biggest thing was his changeup looked disgusting. I think this is the best resources changeup has looked at the major league level comfortably. And honestly, not that I caught every single start of his, but I caught a lot. I can't recall a minor league outing in which I was as impressed with his changeup off the top of my head, at least, than I was in this one. This was a, a really, really, really good secondary well I guess his slider is probably not a secondary pitch that's probably his go-to but and then the fastball even got you know swings and misses and whatnot he would end the game with let me get the exact number up here 20 whiffs 20 that is an incredible number 18 called strikes a 38 percent CSW percentage that's unbelievable almost 40 percent of his 100 pitches that he threw were either called strikes or swinging miss strikes. The problem is the ball never got put in play. So there's a lot of walks as well. My thing is I think the floor went up. That was my original before the ADHD took me down a rabbit hole. That was one of my original point. Um, I, I think that at a minimum, you're looking at a dude who can be a really good reliever. I think that that's what a start like this kind of proves. And the fact that we are for half a year of Daniel Norris – talking about getting a prospect who I think it's safe to say like will have a future at the major league level is an unbelievable win for this organization. Whether he ends up being a sixth inning reliever, a closer, a setup man, a fifth starter, a third starter, an ace, time will tell on where the ceiling truly lies. I don't think this outing really changes my opinion of his ceiling, but it certainly raises the floor. This guy can get swings and misses at the major league level. It's just a matter of he needs to be way more efficient for me to be like, oh, this guy's going to be a starting pitcher long-term guaranteed. But having that floor is very, very nice. So good for Reese Olsen. This was a, this was great. A, a very, very solid outing, a very good outing. Career high in strikeouts really just proved that he can get strikeouts against anybody. Struck out Aaron Judge twice, and he homered in this game. <laughs> Very, very impressive, for real. Very, very impressive. Tip of the cap to Reese Olsen. Um, the bullpen in this one, Brennan White goes one and two-thirds of perfect baseball with a strikeout. His ERA is now down to 4-0-3. At the end of July, early August, this dude's ERA was well over five, and I was talking about his command issues and why he was frustrating. He now is, is one more, you know, zero away in his next outing from having a sub four ERA on the season. I think that that's a really good development. The last two or three weeks, he's been really solid. Uh, the biggest thing for me is, uh, is always going to be the command of his slider because that's the pitch that it gets all of his swings and misses. It also is all of his hard contact against. It's really a, a, it's not a 50 50 anymore, right? Like it was at one point earlier in the season, but uh, it, it's still, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a roll of the dice. Like you, if, if it's located well, no one's touching it, but he also leaves it 
over the heart of the plate still quite a bit. That was an impressive thing with Reese Olsen, too, just bouncing back really quickly. His slider, where he was locating, it was great. It wasn't just all low and away. Um, he would put it hard, like middle of the plate as far as horizontally, but at the shins. And so everybody was thinking, this is a hanging slider. I'm going to turn and burn. And next thing you know, it dropped off a table. I love that command. It's risky because if you leave it up, it's going to get taken 450 feet. But I, I, if you can execute it well, that's almost an unhittable pitch. So hats off to both of those gentlemen. Their sliders were great. Bo Brisky, one inning, two runs, no walks, three strikeouts, two home runs given up in one inning. I'm telling you, man, like, it's just like, no one is, <laughs> everyone is just sitting fastball change up because that's all you have to do. And like, I know that the, the one that got one of the two that got absolutely destroyed, uh, was a, uh, well, the one, oh no, were they both change ups? I think they might've both been change ups regardless. Um, the slider wasn't like a super effective pitch, but he threw it seven times. Like he's trying. It's just like there, there isn't an effective lateral or horizontal pitch yet. I don't need to go back down that rabbit hole. I've said it a million times, but like that's going to continue to hinder him. He needs to work on that a lot. If he can get even an average slider at the major league level, I think that he could take a big step forward. Um, but his ERA quickly is now 368. It was like two for the first several weeks of his uh, of coming back from the injury. Jose Cisnero, I, I don't know how many times I have to say it. I, I don't know why he is on this roster. I tweeted this out, but like dating back to July 22nd, this dude's ERA is almost 12. He's giving up 14 runs in his last 12 appearances. His opponent OPS against is over 1,000 since July 22nd. That's over a month where every single person that steps in the batter's box, no matter how good or bad they are, is basically prime Miguel Cabrera against him. He's not going to be on the team next year. DFA. I, I, I'm not like rooting for someone to lose their job. I, I I love what Jose Cisnero did for this team for two and a half years. Very underrated part of the Detroit Tigers over the last two seasons, three seasons. But like when it's time, it's time. And it is absolutely time. Um, I, I would much, we'll talk about this later on. There's a few pitchers down in the minors that I would rather get this opportunity. And if they get rocked, at least it's someone who has a chance of being on the team next year. And we're answering a question. There is no value in just sending Jose Cisnero out there, uh, you know, three, four times a week to just continue to get rocked. And then Alex Lang did his normal walk, but then outside of that walk where it was to Aaron judge and <laughs> either one ball right down the middle. And besides that, not a single pitch was even in the same zip code as the strike zone. But then the rest of the inning, he recovered and was pretty fine. It's really incredible with Alex Lang that given, even with all of his struggles, right, he, he went through a, like a month and a half, almost two months, where he literally could not throw a strike. And his ERA on the season is still under 3-5. He's a 3-4 ADRA on the year. That's just like a testament to when he's on, how good he really is. Um, but definitely needs to fix the walk thing. Um, let's get into the offense. Uh, we will talk about the defense as well, and then we'll end the show talking about that 40-man roster spot that at the time of this recording is still open. And what could possibly happen with it? We will do that right after this. All 
All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, let's talk about the Tigers home radio broadcast on the Sirius XM app. Be sure to check it out. Just search Detroit Tigers on the Sirius XM app, and you can listen to it anytime, anywhere. That was that was really slick. I got you. Admit it, I got you. Um, so we finished with the pitching side of things, the offensive side of the ball. This was where this is why we're saving it for last. It was just all bad. No one did well, uh, except for Zach McKinstry. Zach McKinstry, two for four with two triples in this ball game. You know, th- this was one where, like, you see McKinstry at leadoff and you're like, oh, man. But when you think about it, and before the – again, like, before, when you see the lineup card drop, you're, you're kind of concerned. But when you think about it, like, all of his struggles are because pitchers just throw, like, loopy curveballs at his ankles and he swings at literally every single one. I'm not exaggerating. It's like, if you told me that 70% of his strikeouts, that's obviously too high of a number and not true, but if you told me that that was true, that 70% of his strikeouts were curveballs in the dirt that like almost hit his big toe on the season, I literally would think about it. I'd be like, well, that might be true. Like, it, it's remarkable how consistently that is the third strike. And Severino doesn't have that. Um, so it's it's... Uh, I'm sure that went into consideration in the lineup card, but like Severino doesn't have like this big loopy curveball that he can like bounce on the plate a million times a game. So um, it, it's one of those like hindsight's 2020, but uh, you know, looking back on it, like, okay, it makes a little more sense that he's at least playing lead off. You know, it worked out. He got two triples. Um, Riley Green, 0 for 4 again. He now has a 289 average and an OPS of 805. Uh, we're getting to the point where he is uh, alarmingly close to having his OPS drop below 800, which it has not been at since early May. Uh, it's been a long time. So he he's still struggling. He had one really hard hit ball that just, you know, uh, amazing play by the third baseman. And then Spencer Torgelson, one for four with a single up the middle in the ninth inning. Kerry Carpenter, one for four as well. Um, so between the three of them, they go two for 12. That that's that's the franchise. Like those three guys are are the heart of your lineup. They're going to determine your offensive output most nights. When they're not on, the offense isn't going to be on, and they have not been on. Carpenter's a little bit of an exception. He he's been pretty fine lately. He has an on base streak of like in the mid twenties now. Like he he's a little bit exempt from this. But uh, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson ha- both have been struggling for the last like week now. And we we try we said the warning signs. We laid this out there on this show, right? Like we talked about uh, back when the Tigers were were winning some games on the road and hitting all these home runs, and it was really exciting and fun. And it was like you know, like they still cannot hit with runners in scoring position. And despite the fact that they're hitting two three home runs a game, they're only scoring like four runs <laughs> in a lot of these games. They are they that whole stretch. They were home runs away from getting blanked in a lot of games, and now we're seeing. Well, they're not a home run hitting team that just for a little bit hit homers, and now we're just right back where we started. And so that's kind of a, a reflective moment, and that's not to say that like we haven't we taken strides, legitimate strides from last season, which was awful. These players have taken strides. Torgelson's taken strides. Green's taken strides. Carpenter's obviously taken huge strides. Like, I'm not saying there's nothing to build on and that this team is just, like, you know, terrible and, and the same as last year. I'm not saying it's all just, like, a like a, a 
what, what am I trying to say? Like a false, like hope image type of thing. There's definitely a word for that that I can't think of. A mirage. Boom. Um, I'm not trying to say that, but I, I like the writing was just on the wall and, and this team still is what it is. Um, they didn't just become the 1920s Yankees out of nowhere. They're, they're still one of the worst offenses in baseball by like pretty much every metric you look at. So um, here we are. And a lot of it's just because even outside of those three guys, when they're not doing well, the team's not going to do well. But the rest of these guys just aren't long-term pieces. They're like stopgap players until we find the long-term player at that position or at that spot in the lineup. And like, so here we are. It's not a, not a new conversation, unfortunately. Um, they went 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. Shocker. The whole team has struggled with it, but for the last week or so, we've been specifically talking about Torkelson during his hot streak. You know, this is like during his, when he was hitting, hit whatever it was, eight home runs in 11 games or whatever it was, even during that span, he was not hitting with runners in scoring position. Riley Green, OPS of like 650 or maybe even worse with runners in scoring position. Like, and, and Torkelson's batting average has now dropped below 200 in that area. Like, these are, if you want to be a heart of the lineup hitter, it's not just like you need the power numbers to go up. You need the OPS to be good. You need to drive in runs. RBIs is a weird stat. I don't think that it's a stat that is acceptable to like determine a player's talent. Like I, I you know, some of it's situational, right? Like, and just like where you hit in the lineup and whatnot. I don't think that like, oh, this guy had more RBIs than this guy. So that just means that, He's automatically better. Um, that being said, it, it's it's not nothing either. And like it's it's you you your job at the middle of the lineup, really anywhere in the lineup, your job is to drive runners in. And if you cannot do that, you will not be a middle of the lineup batter at the major league level. You won't. So it's something that all of these guys really need to fix. Carpenter has an OPS over a thousand with RISP. This is obviously not in regards to him. But the other two need to really work on that a lot because it's unbelievably frustrating and it's a huge hole in their game. And, and it's it's something that this lineup can't afford. So uh, we, we've talked about that before as well. Also, not to just like rag on Torque completely. I, I, I'm not trying to just make this like an anti-Torque episode, but um, he is like really bad defensively. And we talked about this last week uh, or early. Now it's only Tuesday. Last week, we talked about how, like, uh, he's really good at scooping. Like, legitimately. No matter, it, it, Baez throws the ball in the dirt all the time. Like, that that's, he is great at scooping the baseball. Okay? He's one of the best in baseball at scooping the baseball out of the dirt. He's great at it. General, just like fielding, he has the most errors in all of baseball at any out of any first baseman. He has 11. The next closest is 8. Okay, it's not even close. He has a comfortable cushion. He has the most errors of any first baseman. And outs above average, a defensive metric by Baseball Savant, he has negative six, which of 36 qualified first basemen in baseball that have played enough innings there to be on this list by Baseball Savant, he is 34th. He is the third worst. Okay, defensive runs saved, he's at negative eight. That is the worst of any first baseman in baseball. He has been abysmal in every part of defense besides scooping, which he's obviously exempt from because he's fantastic at it. And it's just like, he's athletic. He should be a lot better at that. He should be a good defender. 
Heck, it was a joke. It was ridiculous. It was never going to happen. But he was athletic enough. He was drafted as a third baseman. It It's just, you know, the conversation was, oh, well, he's not going to be a third baseman. But, you know, he's athletic enough. He'll be a plus defender at first. And that just has not been the case. And the last, like, two weeks have really highlighted this struggle. He has definitely been worse the last couple of weeks than he was the rest of the season. But it, it it's... We have to talk about it. So another thing that uh, another thing that he needs to work on there is definitely the defense. Akil Badu, good for him with the home run. Matt Veerling batting third. I don't know either. I don't know what to tell y'all. I, I have no clue. Uh, I uh, Matt Veerling should. I I don't know. No, I I don't get it either. Um, Parker Meadows, solid start to the major league career. Over three in this game. Striking out a lot, but also walking a lot, and he's hitting well. So we're not going to complain too much about the Ks yet until uh, he stops getting on base. Then we will. Um, Carson Kelly, 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. He has done nothing at the plate since being a Tiger. Um, I feel like I'm in like a really like aggressive mood. I'm not trying to be like <laughs> like a jerk, um, but he has been really unproductive as a tiger so far i mean objectively like and it's not just like oh the results aren't there these are just unbelievably uncompetitive at bats like good morning good afternoon good night every time he goes up there just has done nothing and that's what you know everyone got excited about like haas being dfa'd and i understand the like haas it was time to move on from haas i'm not saying that that decision was wrong i'm not saying that bringing in kelly was the wrong decision either but a lot of people were like parading, like we just found our guaranteed catcher of the future. Uh, <laughs> he, he, again, like he hasn't had like a full good season in four years. And this year he had a 580 OPS when we got him. His OPS is now 536. That's like about what Eric Haas's was. So uh, it, we, we, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's been fine defensively though, whatever. Like, uh, again, I'm not saying that we were, we're you're not going to find your catcher of the future in August. Like, I'm not saying that it was a bad move, but um, I, I think uh, people got a little bit too excited just about like Haas being gone and someone else is here and just assumed that he would just like be great. And yeah, he, he struggled this year and has continued to do so, unfortunately, as a Tiger. Um, let's talk about this last roster spot. That's all I got on this ball game. It was not good. Just nothing at the plate, nothing to offer. Um, the Tigers still have a 40-man roster spot open at the time of this recording. And there's a big conversation about what to do with it. Uh, I already said my piece about Cindergard yesterday. I just don't understand why that that would be a thing. Uh, it, it, I'm not saying it's impossible for it to happen. I guess it might. Um, but he's going to be a free agent in a month. Like, why would you not just wait and do it then? Like, I, I, I don't – like, I don't know. That just seems – Really pointless. He's also been dreadful. Like Noah Syndergaard, unfortunately, has been like really, really bad this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not like standing in line, like really hoping that it's Noah Syndergaard. I, I would not understand the move. I would come on here and tell you the same thing if it ends up happening. Um, but Scott Harris went on the radio and said uh, 97 won the ticket yesterday, as you're listening to this on Monday morning. And he had a quote where he said, it's not. Justin Henry Malloy or Colt Keith. So the question is, what is it? Um, he said some weird quote about like he had a trigger finger and like was going to fill the spot soon, I guess for sure. Um, I, I think if it's outside of the organization, I have no clue. Obviously, it might end up being a center guard. I have no idea. Um, 
I, I if it's outside of the org, that that's just you know whatever it's going to be. There's a tons of players are DFA'd every day. Um, if it's internally, if it's not one of those two, I would like it to be Sawyer Gibson Long. Uh, he has struck out a lot of hitters in the minors. He doesn't have a super low ERA or anything, um, but he has tweaked with some pitches. He's tried to put bring like some fastball movement, some cutter into the mix. Um, and, and he gets a lot of strikeouts. He has a like four, two or a four three ERA in triple a, he had an ERA in the mid threes in double a earlier this season. Um, but triple a is also like a launching pad. Like there's a lot of players that are like the average OPS in triple a is like ridiculously high this year. So uh, I, I'm not too like terribly worried about the ERA. Not that he's going to come up here and be like a two ERA pitcher at the major league level. Um, but I, I think it's worth giving him a shot. I think the stuff has taken a step in the right direction this year. I think the development track he's on has been good. Um, he, he's a righty that can give you a look. I would like him to be a reliever. He's been a strictly a starter at the minor league level this year. Uh, I'm not sure I'm, I really need to see him as a starter this year. But like, if they want to do that, I'm not against it either. Um, but I like you have a 40-man roster spot open. Let's throw him on the 40, and then we can remove – some, but I don't know. I mean, you could DFA Cisnero and then that opens another 40 man spot. I, I, I'm just, I would like to see Sawyer Gibson long before the season ends. As far as Winsteel Perez goes, he's already on the 40. I've had some people ask me about that. So that's not in the same conversation. Um, he, he's been on the 40 all year. So he, uh, if he gets a look at the major league level, it'll be during September call-ups when the roster expands by two players at the major league level. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm really interested in what, like, why would we just sit here with only 39 players for like the rest of the, and if it's not going to be one of those two, which is its own conversation, um, then I don't know. I, I, I would like it to go to Sawyer Gibson long. That, that would be kind of, if it's not going to be one of those two, that that's kind of someone I have my eye on, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So um, yeah, I think that's all I got. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game two against the New York Yankees. I'll get you a pitching matchup really quickly. 640 start time. Michael King against Tarek Skubal. Uh, two of, obviously, Garrett Cole has been phenomenal this year. He is the best pitcher on the Yankees. But Michael King has actually been pretty solid. And Tarek Skubal, we all know about his ups and downs over the year. So, um, yeah, let's see what happens. I, I would really like to, you know, like how much of a gut punch it would be if they like drop three or three or four games in this four game set, like all this momentum, you won all these, you know, you, you did decent on the road, like decent enough on the road to like gain some momentum. If you came home and lost to this Yankees team at home and just got absolutely rinsed over a four game set, I think that would really turn some fans off to, to this team, man. I, I think that would, and not like one series is not the world, like whatever they're, they're going through their growing pains. I'm not saying like the rebuilds over because of one series in August, like, you know, but I, I think that would be a real gut punch. Like I really do that. That that's just feels unacceptable given where the Yankees are at this year. And again, that you are at home. That's supposed to be an advantage. And it's not for this team, which is frustrating. I feel like I was really down this episode. This was just a, a bled game, really. And, and like, I, I don't know, life imitates art. Like I, I just, I, I, I came on here after watching a, a, us get, you know, shut out through eight innings. Like I, it, it, this was never going to be like some, 
you know, super fun episode, I guess. So I, I apologize for that if it was uh, if it was maybe a bore to listen to. But this was there's still a lot to talk about, just not a lot of fun to talk about. That's all. I'll let you get on with your day. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. We'll be back tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers. Oh, my goodness. I can't find my video. There we go. Go Tigers. <laughs>